Hopefully, can everybody hear me all right? Okay. That's the, that's the problem with being in front of the speakers. It uh, tends to be a problem. I just don't want to ring up here is the biggest thing. It drives me insane. While we were worshiping, Lord said something to me that he said before, but I just find to be extraordinary. He said, it's nothing for me to build a church. That doesn't take much effort to build a church. But he said, it's a different thing to build an army. He said, that takes time. And then he said, I I want you to look out over these people and see the army that I'm putting together. And I wish you could see what I see. I, I wish that you could experience what I get to experience in seeing each of you and what God is doing in your lives. See, it's a very different thing to build an army. Because there's a lot of responsibility to an army. There's honestly not a lot of responsibility to just go to church and just give God your Sunday morning. Maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever, whenever that church goes. But it's a whole other thing to give God every moment, every moment of your life. And that's the very army that he wants to raise up. That's the very army that he is raising up. I can tell you from personal experience, looking into people's lives that I've known now for years, and see the change. And and I don't mean change from, well, they used to be a really bad person, now they're a really good person. It's not what I'm talking about. Because they were always a really good person. I'm talking about the change of power of recognizing Jesus Christ in their lives. And, and you'll just have to forgive me if I call some people out on this. In, in terms of, I don't want to embarrass you, but, but the change is amazing. You know, the, the change that Corey went through in his life. The change that Beth went through in her life. If, if you spend any time with them at all now, you know that it's not just a Sunday morning thing or a Tuesday night thing. Because God is their everything. And they know Him intimately. Another one that, that I love to just watch, and, and I'm so sorry to, in, to maybe embarrass you, but Deborah, just to see the change in her life, See, many of you know when she came here to Ignition. Now, it, it, actually, you may not know. I mean, you, you may know what the warfare was. But I remember the first time I met her. I, I don't even think you said hi to me. I'm pretty sure I couldn't even get her to say hi to me. I, I couldn't get words to actually come out of her mouth. Right, So it it wasn't just the warfare that she went through and the dramatic change that God brought into her life. It was this blossoming 
of Jesus in her. If you weren't on the prayer call last night, you missed a prayer call. I mean, I, I even mentioned it because I closed in prayer last night, but I, I mentioned it how it's so funny. Oftentimes we'll go into a prayer call, I, I don't know, discouraged. Um, you know, you, you ever, you, ever you, you, you know, be in the middle of a, of a, just a fight or something, a, a struggle. And, and it's like, it's like you come off of that and, you know, you're still feeling the emotion of that, you know, feeling the emotion of that day, feeling the emotion of, of the struggle. And, and that's where, where I don't know about anybody else, but that's where Alex and I were last night. And coming off of that into this prayer call, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're saying, Lord, please don't have me pray tonight. Please, you know, I, 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 know, I know there's a responsibility to pour out, and I've got nothing to pour. I've just got nothing to pour. And then the Lord begins to speak through somebody on that prayer call like he did Deborah last night. And man alive, everything changes. If you were on the call last night, you experienced that. I mean, everything changes. Why? Because of somebody allowing Jesus Christ to just manifest through them. Manifest through their words. Why? Because Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is the giver of life. His words give life. They are life. They're joy. They're peace. They're happiness. They're excitement. Man, I'll tell you, I I can't wait till we're with Jesus in his kingdom because I think he's going to be the craziest one of us. Yeah, you think those people that are jumping around and, and during worship are, are, are you know, kind of, they're a little on the edge, a little out there, right? Okay, that's where Jesus is going to be. You bet. Why? Because it's joy. It's joy to lift up His name. It's joy to want to give the Father everything that we are. See, do you think Jesus stopped doing that when he rose from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father? No. He does it right now. He gives everything who he is to the Father. Because he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And by the way, that's the only way he can give the Father to us. It's through Jesus Christ through that accepting Him into our heart, that we have access to the Father. And because of that, we have access to this same joy, this peace, everything. But see, it's not something that comes like that. It's not something that comes at the drop of a hat. It's not something that comes at building a a good program, getting a building and, and having great worship so you could draw people. See, that's what God was talking about when he said to me, I could build a church easy. I could build it fast. But to build an army is a very different thing. See, an army is what God can use 
to create change. And that's what he is doing. That's what he's building up all over the world. You know, I'm, I'm just so excited for what he's doing in Nigeria. You know, this week we, we had a, um, uh, it, it was five nights that they did the Jesus film in Nigeria this week, and we had over 600 people come to know the Lord in those five nights. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And I was talking to Andrew this morning, and, and, and he's, I'm sure he's watching. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Comfort. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the relationship you're building with the Lord and that you're teaching out there. And I I just said to him this morning as we were talking briefly over Messenger, I, I said, imagine, imagine what it's going to be like when we can actually have the facility there to teach people relationship with Jesus. See, it's easy to build a church. It's easy to show people the need for Jesus Christ and the need for salvation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit partners with you on that and and the Holy Spirit's already working on their heart. And to get them to understand that there is something, a higher power than them, is really not that hard. Really isn't. But it's a whole different thing to get them to understand that that higher power wants to be your best friend. Wants to engage in every part of life with you. You know, it's extraordinary when, when you spend throughout the day, if, if you, if you build this relationship with Jesus and you spend the day with Him, what does that look like? See, I used to think about that when Paul said, I, I, I never cease praying, I pray all the time. You know, what, what does that mean? See, it used to confuse me because, because, well, did you have set times you, you kind of sat aside and you, you, you prayed or, or was it that you're, you're just praying constantly in your mind and, and then when you're engaged in other things, you know, then, then you kind of compartmentalize that. What does that mean? And over the last five, six years, I came to realize that what it is, is you're just including him in everything. You're including him in all the things that you do. It's like having a best friend there. What do you do? You talk to your best friend about it. You know, even the dumb things. <laughs> a dumb thing. You know, when, when, I, when the Lord told me, you know, when, when our car kind of blew up and, and we couldn't afford another one, and uh, uh, although the Lord said, I want you to get a truck. And I said, good, because that's exactly what I wanted to get. This is your voice, right, Lord? <laughs> or is this my voice? But I started talking to him about it. Well, Lord, I, I, I want one that you want because I don't want to over-encumber myself. I don't want to, to have problems with it or anything else. So I, I began having a conversation with him about it. So see, you include him in the little things in life. Now what ends up happening? He directs you in those things. It it doesn't mean that you become encumbered with everything that you do. You have a conversation. Although he did have a conversation with me about changing my socks. 
Not changing them like they were dirty, changing them because they had holes. And he tells you, yeah, he tells me when, when you come up here and I have you, I have placed you on holy ground, you're going before the courts and I tell you to take off your shoes. Anissa will keep teasing you if you don't change your shot. Get socks that don't have holes in them. So I will say that she was the first to notice this morning that I did not have holes in my socks. <laughs> Even stupid things like that. What do you tell your best friend? You know, what, what do you guys talk about? I, I know Alex is my best friend, so, so we're, we're together a lot. But even those who are not married yet, you, you get on Messenger, you get on Facebook, you get on texting, what, you get on the phone, whatever. You, you spend time talking with your best friend. You talk about the dumbest things. Right? But it's fun because you're just engaging life together. It's no different. It's no different with Jesus Christ. It, except that you are gonna be shown things that maybe shouldn't be in your life, right? And that's why people avoid it. Because they want to hang on to things that are important to them, especially control. I want to control things. So, so Lord, I'll let you into this part of my life, but not this part of my life. But he, he wants it all. We're, we're in Hebrews um, from last week. Um... By the way, by the way, let me mention this as, as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, we do have a scheduled trip now for Nigeria. And yeah, I am so excited about it. We're going in October. I don't know the exact date yet, but the Lord told us to go in October. Um, there are, I'll mention two of us that are going, me and Michael, Michael Stephen are going. There is a third person going, but I'm not going to mention it because... He doesn't know yet, <laughs> and he, he, may, he may be watching online. Uh, he, he is not here with us locally, but, um, uh, but there are three of us going specifically to look at this land, specifically to talk to the, the government there about that, that purchase, about what the Lord wants us to begin there, and I, I just can't tell you how excited I am for what God it, 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 what he's paving the way ahead of us. I mean, you know, the, the turmoil that has been in McCurdy, where we go, um, has had a 180 turnaround. I mean, I, I shared with you, I don't know, a month, whatever, month and a half ago, of, of uh, just the tragedies that have been there. I think there were almost 300 people killed since the beginning of the year there. And, and it's through, through, uh, you know, radicalized Muslims and, and, and just this warfare going on right where we are, right where we want to buy this land. And, and, um, I want to give a shout out and a thank you to Donald Trump because the day he had President Buhari to the White House, he said to him in the Rose Garden in front of the world, I love this guy. He just, right in front of the world, he says, yeah, and by the way, he says, you need to stop killing those Christians. Get it taken care of. He says it in front of the world. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what happened three days later. 
Three days later, they send helicopters in to where they knew they were, and they killed them. And they killed much of their capital, you know, much of their uh, monetary support. So what God is doing there is extraordinary. See, when he builds up an army, man, don't get in his way. Don't get in God's way. And, and what he's going to do there is literally, they are ready, they're this, they're this tender box, just waiting for a match to be thrown in. And, and you see it, you see it in, in when they do the Jesus film, just any, and I know many of you are friends with, uh, with Andrew and Comfort on Facebook, just ask him. Just ask him what he thinks is ready to explode there. And you watch his answer. Because it, it, it is. It's just ready to explode. So, Hebrews 11, or I mean Hebrews chapter 10. I want, I want to kind of finish up something that I mentioned last week. Because I don't want it to be confusing. And um, uh, I don't recall saying it last week. But we, we had finished up. Basically, around verse 29, okay, it talked in verse 26, it talked about, you know, once we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, Hebrews talks about how Jesus became the one-time sin offering for those who accept him. You know, he, he didn't need to be offered more than once. He was offered one time, and it covers our sin, and we then have the right, if you will, to eternal life. Okay. However, then he begins to talk about this idea of relationship. And, and, and in this idea of relationship, there, there is something different than salvation. Salvation is when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. You know, it's, it's, it's like your passport is stamped. You, you get to go to heaven. Right? It doesn't mean that everything about your time when you are there is all set in stone. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Anybody who thinks that all Christians will have the same experience in the afterlife, they do not know the Word of God. Because the Word of God then talks about this relationship. <laughs> like I said, it, it, it really is true though. She, she, we were talking to somebody this past week and, and, um, uh, uh, that that had accused us of of different things and different beliefs and whatever and 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 Alexis said to this person he said do, do you ever listen to the messages I mean he literally talks about one thing every Sunday <laughs> for 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 three and a half years he talks about relationship and and that is absolutely the truth because. Until we get this in our minds, until we can tell it to the world, it takes no effect. So that word has to be preached each time. So, so again, what he begins talking about here is sin after that justification, after that salvation, after we've accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts, then, when we have deliberate sin, that means sin that you know is sin. Okay, there, there are things we walk through life and we don't know it's sin. Right? We live in sinful flesh. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about known sin. And I, and I, I brought up a, a, just this touchy one last, 
last week because I know it's, it's such a predominant one and so many people can understand this, but when, when we talked about pornography, okay, when you are, are under the grasp of that sin, the only way you get through it is to compartmentalize. That's the only way you can. But that's, a deli- that's what it's talking about when it talks about a deliberate sin. When you know something is against that relationship that you're, ha- you're to have with the Lord, and you choose to do it anyway. Verse 26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Ouch. What does that mean? That means there's a cost. That means that Jesus is not going to go and give his life again for you. That means twofold. One, your salvation is secure. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Right? You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot lose that ticket to heaven. You cannot lose the passport that's been stamped. But what you can lose, and what you do lose with deliberate sin, is that relationship that is to be built with Him. That one-on-one camaraderie, that best friend. You ever do anything within your friendship that, that came against your best friend? You know, talked about them behind their back, or, or, or if you did something, lied about it, whatever. If you did anything against your best friend, that thing came out, how did that affect your relationship? It could destroy your relationship. It, could dis- it can destroy a marriage. Right? That is what it's talking about in this deliberate sin. He's saying, you've already been died for. You've already accepted that grace. You've already accepted the free gift of life that He gave. So now, if you choose to go on sinning, if you deliberately choose, what you are literally choosing against is that relationship. Because there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But, a fe- and this is what I want to clear up from last week. But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? Ouch. Okay, we're not talking about an unsafe person here. We're talking about a person who has accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, began to build a relationship, and then by choice, deliberately, continues in sin. So what is that? Is that fury? What's it talking about? Don't I want to I want to point out the fact this is not talking about your salvation. This is not talking about you going to heaven because it says it says right here at the end 
Uh, where is it here? Verse 27, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume who? Consume you? No, consume the adversaries. What he's painting a picture of here is that there is this authority that is given the enemy who is the consumer of the adversaries. That authority is what you give when you deliberately sin against God. It's not God saying, yeah, you irritated me this time, so boom, I give you that. No, that's not, that's not even Jesus. But what he says is there is a law that is set up. And he came and fulfilled that law and gave us the opportunity for salvation. But then the salvation, once that is done, that justification, then there is the sanctification, which is the relationship. And if that is what you want, if that is what you you want to go after, then there's a cost to it. There's a cost to being close to Jesus Christ. Why? Because... In some of the places we go and hang out, He's not going to come with us. In some of the things that we do in the dark, He's not going to come with us. Now, think about it real quick. I mean, really, because we we so easily compartmentalize things. And I know this because I'm speaking from experience. And when we compartmentalize, say, well, Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll just... I'll just be back with him in a day or so. Or, or when I get my mind kind of focused on him again, then, then I'll, I'll be back and, and we could build that relationship. And what, what he says here is, but you don't understand. You're, you just gave authority to the enemy to hurt our relationship. And it happens with the smallest things all the way up to the biggest things. You know, we don't start out with an addiction. Ask anybody. Right? You start with something small. You know, anybody who, who is addicted to pornography did not get that way by the first time they saw it. They were enticed. They were drawn in. They said yes by choice. And they moved through it giving levels of authority each time they did it. And how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many have been stuck in addiction, in an addiction like that where, forgive me Lord, forgive me, I, I don't want this in my life, forgive me. And then you're good for a couple weeks. And then it comes right back. And you fall again. Why is that? It's with what we just read. It's because we give authority. If we, if we give the authority, what's the enemy going to do when we feel bad about something? That's not when he's going to come after us. In fact, what he wants to do is he wants to go ahead and let us feel bad. And then we go through this cycle of feeling bad. And then, then it's the cycle of, well, okay, now I need to beat myself up enough so I, so I feel bad long enough. 
Because I certainly can't ask for forgiveness right away because God's not even going to believe me. Because I've come to him many times. And so the devil starts to perpetuate a lie in you. And by the way, it's, it, I, know, I know the example I'm giving is pornography because it's, it's such a widespread problem. But, but this is anything. This could be control. This could be wanting to control a situation. It could be fear. So encumbered by fear that, that you don't allow yourself to move in that relationship with the Lord. But see, what you're really doing is, because Jesus died on the cross once, we have forgiveness of sin. And by the way, to those who say, and, and I actually know these people, we've had discussions about this. To those who say, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and you're forgiven, you're, you don't sin after that. There, there, God doesn't see sin in your life. There's no such thing as sin I'd really like to introduce you to some people that will actually show that is an absolute lie. All right, because if you if you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Father understand this. This is important to, to understand this correlation. The Father sees you as righteous. He sees you as perfect. Okay? Then at that point, when your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, what happens in that relationship? As we build that relationship, it is built through Jesus Christ. So the Father sees what Jesus Christ covers. In that relationship, the, the, the Bible says, if we're in sin, and this this after being saved, if we're in sin, all we have to do is go and we have to ask forgiveness for that sin because He is righteous and He will forgive our sin immediately. Don't don't let the devil lie to you and say you got to you got to put in some time first. No, the the devil's just trying to get you to feel like you can't ask forgiveness. You can ask forgiveness, but it can't stop there. See, if you ask forgiveness, you're given this cleansing right then. And you're given this brand new opportunity to build relationship. See, Jesus is actually the easiest person in the world to build a relationship with. I know we can't see him. I know we can't physically go and hang out with him. That might be the downside to it. But the upside is, he holds no grudges. Right? When you ask forgiveness, he cleans the slate. More than that, in that relationship, he begins to teach you how to fight the very authority that you just gave. Right? This, this fire of fury that will consume the adversaries. He tells us how to fight in that relationship. So I want you to understand that what, what is, what he's talking about here, and, and he goes all the way down to verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. He, he's talking about this idea that if you are saved, if you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, and you continue living a deliberate 
choice of sin, you're giving the enemy access to physically tear you apart. And he does that in many different ways. I mean, do you know anybody addicted to anything? Rules their life. Especially if you, if you want to talk about drugs or something like that. You know, if, if you know anybody that's been addicted to drugs, it rules their life. Anybody who's addicted to alcohol, it rules their life. Their whole life, all their choices are, are, are literally made because of that addiction. And that's what he wants to change. Verse 32. But recall the former days. And he begins to, to now pour in to that relationship. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. See, what the writer, who I believe is Paul, what he's pointing out here is you used, he's talking about these people who used to have a different perspective. Right? To have this perspective in this life that this life isn't the important life. This isn't the end all life. And, and yet Satan wants so badly for us to think that it is. That's why careers become so important to us. That, that's why home and a car and stability and all the, and, and I'm not saying those things are bad. They're all good. But they're good when they're given by how God wants to give it. Because other, otherwise we become obsessed with this world. And, and I can guarantee you one thing. If you are obsessed with this world, you're going to be disappointed at the end of your life because you will receive no satisfaction in it. Why? Because we're not of this world. We were born into a different world. When we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, we were literally born into a new world. A world that doesn't end here. It begins here. That relationship begins here. Right? And that's what we're doing. Verse 35, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. See, Jesus knew that this life would not be an easy life. This life of following him. If, and if you're confused to that, it, just go through the Gospels. Which, which, by the way, is the most awesome thing to do. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Um, if, you, if you get the U version of, of the Bible, it, it has the audio and you can choose different, different uh, versions. And, and it's cool because it's got different dialect or different... Uh, uh, what, what is that? Uh, accents on it. it. It's really a trip to listen to the King James one. But, but if you get the U version, I want to suggest to you, get, get, a, get a version that you like. Get a version that, that, that you can listen to like it is Jesus talking to you. One that, one that I love is the New Living Translation. 
and listen to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And go back and do it again. And do it again. And do it again. And do it again. Listen to it while you do other things. Listen to it where, where you can saturate your mind on what Jesus Christ did in the three and a half years of his ministry. Because it's going to blow you away. What it, what it, what it does is, is, is it builds this very confidence in that reward that he's talking about in verse 35. Why? Because he knows you will need endurance. If, if God is truly building an army here, which he is, does an army need endurance? <laughs> yeah. Probably more than anything. Why? Because the enemy doesn't stop coming against us. The enemy's not going to stop coming against you individually because the last thing he wants is for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He just doesn't want that. So he's not going to stop. However, we can be more than conquerors against him. And, and that's where the authority comes in. When we, when we choose to ask forgiveness of sin, we can have an expectation of being done with that sin. Even sin that is a habit. Even sin that, that is something that, that we're addicted to. Even pornography. I've worked with a lot of people regarding pornography. And I have seen in their lives where it was stopped like that. Why? Why are they different than ones that will have it for years and years? It's because they, they understand this idea of authority that's given through deliberate choice. And they call out the authority. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, You've heard, you've heard it preached all the time. It's, it's a real popular thing now, and as a matter of fact, is, is that you were given authority. Jesus said in his word, you were given authority to, to stomp on snakes and scorpions, to stomp on, on, on the demonic world. Okay? But to exercise that authority is different than to be given it by label only. Because there is an obedience. We are born into that family. You know, it's, it's just like you, you, look at, um, you look at all the families, you know, especially the kings. You look at David and all his sons. Every one of his sons were warriors. Right? In fact, in fact one went after him. Tried to kill him. So, so in these families... You know, you're, you're, you're given this idea of, of fighting the enemy, and because I'm born into that family, well, all, all of a sudden I'm going to be as good as David. Well, no, they had to work at it. They had to be trained in it. They were born into that family, but they still had to have the cost of building a life around being that warrior. It's the same with a relationship with Christ. It's the same with being in, in his bride, in this church right now. There's a cost to being part of that warfare, and it's learning. That, that cost is literally building that relationship with Christ. Learning, okay, Lord, you said I could stomp on scorpions and snakes. How? How do I do that? 
You know, and the first thing he's going to tell you is that that authority can't be taken if you're fake. That, that authority can't be taken if you know in the back of your mind what you're telling that authority to leave from isn't true. And that, that's, that's a tough word because we think if we can just look good in front of other people, then we've got it figured out. And that's such a lie. It's so not true. Especially if you are called to be a warrior. Because everything's exposed on the battlefield. Why? Because the enemy knows everything. Especially on this battlefield. So he said, you have need of endurance. So how do we have this endurance? How do we have this endurance of building this relationship? Literally, is it something that, how can you go and you can literally every day have the endurance to build this relationship and go somewhere with it? He lays it all out in the next chapter. It's faith. Let's go to chapter 11. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. See, faith is believing in something that has been proven to you, but you can't necessarily prove it to somebody else. Isn't that who God is? See, I could show you in my own life that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's, it's, it's so difficult to sit down and say, well, you know, this is tangibly what it looks like. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because he requires the same faith of the next person. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you accept him by faith. It says, by faith you believe who he is. He was son of God, sent to this earth, became a man, lived a perfect sinless life, gave his life on the cross, conquered death because the Father raised him from death. And he ascended to heaven and he he lives right now at the right hand of God. See, by faith we accept those things. By faith we believe that. By faith and by our mouth we ask Jesus into our heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Master. Be my Messiah. I say that by faith. But in reality, that that doesn't take much faith. And, And praise God, it doesn't. Because it's it's that beginning. That then he says, if you'll just do this, if you just believe in who I am, we could start from there. Because as we accept him into our heart and we get that initial connection with him, then he begins to open up this idea of relationship. Open up this idea that it's an everyday thing. It's a growing thing. It's something that you invest every moment in. But that investment comes through faith. Every step that you take in life, building your relationship with him, will be a step of faith. That, that's, that's why we go through things that are tough. That's why we go through things where, okay, Lord, you told me to do this, and I, like, I can't even see 
into this. I can't even see so much as to where my foot's going to land. Do you think that makes him change his mind? Oh, I didn't realize you couldn't see. Oh, man, all right, let's go a different way. Yeah, no, that just doesn't work that way. He said, yeah, I know you can't see. You're not supposed to see. Because, why? I need this faith. I need this faith. I need this this assurance of things that you're hoping for. See, assurance means that I am hoping that when I step, I am going to land on something solid. Right? That's my, that's my hope. I have faith in that. However, faith is the assurance. The assurance is, I don't have to think about it. I know you're there. I know, Jesus, that you're there. I will step, and it doesn't matter if I can't see, because I have the assurance of the things that I hope for. That assurance, see, it's not proved until I actually step. Right? We don't know that there's something solid there until I stepped there, because I can't see it. Different if you could see it. But usually in our life, He doesn't let us see. Because he wants that faith. And then we step in that faith. And then it is the conviction of the things not seen. He gives this whole list of these people that by faith trusted in God. By faith they stepped in that step without knowing where their feet were going to land. I, I love, man, if you, if you ever want a really good study, study David's life. What an amazing, amazing guy. I mean, at, at, by the way, at 15, he kills Goliath, right? At 15. Okay, now by then, he had already taken on, I think, more than one, but at least one bear and at least one lion. How many in here would take on a lion? I mean, at any age, <laughs> let alone, let alone who, who knows? I mean, he could have been at Vaughn's age. He could be 10 years old taking on a lion. You think about that. Think about the faith that that would require. And yet, why are you, why am I any different from him? See, we're not. We're born of the same flesh. In fact, we have more of an advantage than he does. Because we can walk in this relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because the veil has already been torn. Jesus Christ, who we have this relationship with, he sits at the right hand of the Father. It's kind of like, you know the top people you could know. You know, if you had, if you had a phone number that you could call up and it was a person that, that was always hanging around, you know, Donald Trump. Was with him all the time and you needed to get some stuff done and you wanted that that access, and you have this phone call, this phone, and you could call him, hey, hey, can you ask him to do this? Hey, hey, can you, can you ask Donald to, to tell President Buhari that he better stop killing Christians? Can you, can you tell him to do that, please? Do you think you'd use that? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Do you understand that's exactly what you have? 
Do you, do you understand? That's exactly what you have in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, and you don't even need a phone. Say, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can, can you tell Donald to tell President Buhari to stop telling Christians? Yeah. Yeah, I could tell him that. I was just waiting for you to ask. See, he needs our engagement. If he didn't need our engagement, then what are we here for? Why, why wouldn't he just take us up the second that we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart? Come into my heart, boom, he's gone. You know, okay, well, yeah, but then other people need to hear, but not everybody. Not everybody has to, if, if you, if you kept one out of every thousand people that got saved, keep them on to tell other people about it, you'd still get people saved. Just take everybody else. Why, why do you think he doesn't do that? It's because he wants us to engage with him. He wants us to build this relationship with him. He wants us to believe that we even can. He wants, he wants to believe that we have access to the Father. That we have that speed dial through Jesus Christ. See, that's what these people believed. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God more to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which, and I'm just going to read down through this for, for a few verses here. Through through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch who is one of my favorite people in the Bible, by the way. Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. That means before he got to heaven, he was commended by pleasing God because he had faith. Verse 6, and all of you have heard verse 6,000 times. You probably have it memorized. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So it's not just believing Jesus Christ is Son of God. It's not just believing and receiving our salvation. It's seeking Him. Seeking Him. Boy, that sounds like a verse, doesn't it? One that we know well. Matthew 6.33, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. But you seek him. That is an active verb. You seek him. You don't seek him just on Sunday. You don't seek him on Tuesday night. You seek him all the time. You seek relationship with him. You go after him. Why? Because you're hungry. We, we finished a 40-day fast, a, what's it been, a month now? A month and a half ago? A couple months? I don't even remember. Okay, y'all were hungry during that, right? When you don't eat, you get hungry. And the beautiful thing when you're not fasting, when you're hungry, you could go and eat and be filled. Right? See, it's no different with relationship with Jesus Christ. When you're hungry, He will fill you. If you want relationship with Him, guess what? It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not hard to figure out. It's not hard to even go after. It's, it's easy to know where it is. 
it's, it's perhaps hard to get past ourselves in going after it. But it's impossible without faith to please Him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. We talk about a literal stepping and not knowing what you're stepping on. See, that's faith. That's what Abraham did. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. Why? Because he was, and this is what I want you to get, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Do you have that hope? See, we talk about that in terms of the real reality. Are we looking just to build a good life here? Or are we looking forward to what God is building and preparing for us there? See, that's what Abraham did. That's what Isaac and Jacob did. They knew what God was going to build. Why? Because he promised it. It wasn't that he, he built a, a little replica and said, see, see, here are my plans. Here, look at the blueprints. This is, this is what it's all... Here, here's you right here. Right? He, he shared with them what his divine plan was overall and said, trust me in your portion and you'll be part of it. You'll be part of this city that that is designed, literally designed by God. Do you know we can all be a part of that? We went through a series on that, just of, of the rewards that are given in heaven. What are the rewards? To literally serve with Him. Right? We, we all in, in this life, you know, we look up to people that have positions of power. Right? You look at the government, you look at even, even positions in a church, you look at positions of influence, and we look up to those positions. Why do you think it'll be any different in the kingdom of God? It won't be. And what we do on earth here, as we set our eyes to that city designed by God, that, that, that city that functions governmentally with God, when we set our eyes on that and we begin building this relationship with Him and letting Him do in our lives whatever He wants, we're literally laying our treasures up in heaven. And then the part that's cool is that we get to experience things here on earth that blow your mind. I mean... Not last Tuesday, but the Tuesday before that, the, the, the service that we had here and, and, and just the, just the presence of the Holy Spirit was, was just so thick. See, we get to experience that here, even though we're not on, we're on this side of heaven. 
We're not in that city designed by God. If, it's, if it could be that good here, even amongst turmoil and everything else in this life, imagine what it's going to be like there. So, so see, if I have this life to spend drawing in relationship to Him so that I can have access when I'm with Him, you better believe I'm going to do that. In fact, I'll give everything that I have, everything that I am, to be able to do that. Why? Because I'm looking at a city that is designed by God, not one that is here on earth. And it's worth it to me. It's worth it to me to give up everything that I, that I had. To give up business, to give up everything. And to just say, the relationship I want with you is more important to me. Because I want to be with you not just in this life, because I know in this life I have to accept it by faith. Right? I, 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 can't, I can't physically see him, although I, I'm still counting on that one. I, I believe it. Enoch, Enoch got to do it. So that means somebody got to do it. So I, so I have faith that one of these steps that I take, I'm going to be in that, that same place. But, but by faith, I accept it because one day it will be physical. One day I will be physically with Jesus. You know, it, it, you all have seen the, or most of you have seen the movie, uh, The Shack. And, and I, I tell people all the time, my favorite part of that movie is, is when, I can't remember the guy's name, but he and Jesus are running on the water and they're just, Mac, yeah, there you go. It, it, they're, they're just racing together. They're just running together. And, and see, they're in the physical. See, that's what we have our hopes set on. That we're going to be able to do that. That we're going to be in the physical with Him. But, but until that point comes, we feed Him with the faith that He deserves. And the faith is what builds our relationship with Him. You cannot build relationship with Him without taking a step of faith. I, I guarantee you one thing in closing. I guarantee you one thing. When you say, Lord, I want this relationship, what do I do? I guarantee you one thing will immediately happen. He will place something in your life that will require you to step out of your comfort zone. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I have never seen that not happen. And, and the, the best advice I could give you is get used to it. Because it happens over and over and over again. Never ceases to amaze me how even when you don't think you have any more comfort zones, it's like, wait, wait a second, I, I thought all my comfort zones have been broken. He, he still finds a way to take you out of your comfort zone. Somehow, some way. I, I won't get into it, but this, this happened to me about a week and a half ago with something that he has told me to do. And, and I remember telling him, I, I just laughed and I said, Lord, I did not think you could get me out of my comfort zone again because I didn't think I had any more. But he will find a way. Why? Because that produces faith. It produces faith, and the faith is what pleases him. The faith is what builds that relationship. The faith is what...
builds the access. And that, that's, that's what we want. We just want to be with him. You know, imagine an army of people lifted up and built up that literally just want to be with him. Just want to be with the Father. Oh my goodness, I, I just, it blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. Father, we worship you, we praise you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the faith that you require in building this relationship. We thank you, God, that you made the first part easy. We thank you, Lord, that there there was no effort on our part to accept you as Savior. To begin this opportunity of relationship, we just had to believe in who you are. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that in that, doors opened to learn about you in such a way that is more real than even the relationships we know here on earth. Father, I pray for each person here, wherever they're at with you, because a relationship is not a scale. A relationship is something very personal. And it's always ongoing. So God, I I pray for each individual here and where they're at with you. That you just simply show them the next step. Show them that next point of trusting you. Of offering faith. Stepping maybe where they've never stepped before. Trusting you because they know you're the one designing their future. You're the one designing their pathway. You're the one knows the end from the beginning. So there's no better person to place our trust in than you. I pray for anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, or that doesn't know your Son as Savior. I pray that today may be the day. We, we have baptisms afterward, and, and God, that is just a declaration of that acceptance, a declaration of their salvation. But God, I pray for anybody this morning that is here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today may be the day that they recognize that the God of this universe, the creator of this universe, loves them and wants relationship with them. But God, just continue building this army. This army that is literally fueled with faith and love. And hope in you. And we stand ready. We stand ready to say yes. To step wherever it is that you want us to step. And we're eager. 
We're eager, Father. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I have Alexis come up, I do just want to mention, if there is anybody, because this is a very personal thing, if there is anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, I want you to talk to me afterwards. Just come up to me. We're going to be... We're going to be here for the baptism and, and everything going on. But come talk to me. Or talk to one of the elders. Talk to, talk to one of the leaders. Because that's where it all begins. The most amazing journey of your life will begin at that point. I promise you. One thing I couldn't get off my mind the whole time during the message because it is a a needed, different, but also repetitive theme that Greg preaches every week was what he said at the very beginning, which is that the Lord reminded him that he can build a church anytime, anywhere, but he can't build a movement. And, you know, when we talk about comfort zones, you know, God works on the leadership first because that is what has to lead. And I know for me, we didn't know what was going to happen when God called us to start this church and to leave our previous ministries and all the controversy that surrounded it. But the last thing I ever thought was that we would start a church that would end up, would be in a house. And for me, that just wasn't in my realm of understanding. I just didn't grasp. I knew there were, you know, events that took places in houses and, you know, took place in houses and Bible studies, but to start a house church was such a, uh, I've come to just see time and time again when, when messages are preached on relationship. It reminds me of the Jesus culture song, um, Kim Walker. The first line of the song is strip everything away till all I have is you. Amen. Now for my comfort zone, that was stripping away facility because that was all I knew and I didn't even know how much I was clinging to that until it was stripped away and so the very desire of my heart was to have a a more authentic real relationship you know for 10 years ministering to women in just my previous I've been ministry longer but my previous ministry and wondering Lord why is it that, that sometimes hearts just aren't being turned to you and all this stuff and we don't always know how God's going to go about giving us the desire of our heart. I never would have imagined the ministry that he called us into now that he's giving me in, in all these unorthodox ways and the stretching of our comfort zones. He's actually answering the desire of my heart, which is to be authentic and true and, and have that real back and forth communication. So when God takes you out of your comfort zone, recognize that oftentimes it's because he hears the deepest cry of your heart, but he's the one that knows how to get you there. And for some of us, when we get in the building, some of us, that will be when our comfort zone is stretched because not everyone's drawn to a house church. There's a, there's a real walls down transparency kind of environment that, that is in a house church. But once you get used to that, the next change will be a stretch for people's comfort zones. And 
so, you know, every, every time there's a shift in a ministry, even when there's just more people, you know, you our, our natural humanity, we get comfortable with a, a cozy group of people, and then there's an influx of new people. And, you, and God's just going to have to stretch you with new people and new relationships. But be ready to walk that, because everything God does is good, and for our good, and for God's glory. So you got to know that God is good. But I just, I, I keep saying to the Lord all the time when I hear about this relationship, I think, wow, I would never have gone about building it the way that I would have thought it needed to be built. But if you place it in his hands, he will build the relationship you're looking for with him in his way. And he will do it through stretching you and things you don't understand. So, um, so I hope you'll listen again. Hebrews is a heavy book, so listen to that again. Um, Today also is a very special day because it represents the very um, open, demonstrate, demonstrative, demonstrative act of uh, obedience. I, I guess I'm looking for the right form of that word. But you're, there, it's a demonstration of, I am all yours, God. And not just before people, but like Greg said last week, it's before all the forces in the unseen realm. It's, I am going to take this step today of obedience and dedication and immersing myself in the water. We talked about in class this morning, ladies' class. Immersing myself in the water of the Holy Spirit to, to show my complete devotion to God. So baptism is special. It is, it is holy. It is an awesome, awesome thing. We have those that will be baptized, and that's why we're going to uh, connect that with a time of fellowship food and, um, you know, and games and, and a party and stuff outside. But I want you to remember that when we gather in just a little while around um, the water outside, 